0: Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you.
1: I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business.
0: Welcome to episode two, Amanda.
1: We're back. How are you?
0: I mean, I'm still good. We're recording this at the same time as episode one and it's coming out at the same time as episode one, but you might not be listening at the same time as episode one. So you know, that's up to you. Thank you for being here. We're so glad that you're listening and we're excited to expand a little bit on what we were talking about at one point in the previous episode. So you didn't listen to that. That's an introduction to us. Not only do you get to know us, you get to know our real talk about being big and brave in business. And so if you want to know more about that, go check that out. Today, we're going to talk more about our best advice for someone who wants to work for themselves from home. And also, how do you know your side hustle should be your
1: full-time job? I love this topic. I'm so glad that we're circling back on this. I think we really had a good conversation going in our first episode, and I'm excited to deep dive into this a little bit more as you and i both agree there's so much online about working for yourself, working from home, working work less hours and make more money and there is part of that we'll we'll dive into that too i know, but i love the idea of us talking a little bit more about what it actually looks like when you go from an idea to starting a side hustle to then making it your full-time job. Yes.
0: And if you listened to the previous episode, you know that for me I didn't get to make that choice for myself. It was made for me. So I want to know, Amanda, can you talk a little bit about how you knew, because you did both at the same time and then you chose to leave your full-time job when you felt ready. How did you know when you were ready?
1: That is an awesome question. Uh, I did work both corporate and for my side gig, my virtual assistant gig, I did both for about six months. Uh, I was in a, in a job that allowed me a lot of flexibility so I could do both. And it was great. I loved the income. Uh, I loved the flexibility. It was great. I wanted to go all in. And I had this feeling inside that if I just stepped away from the corporate job and fully went into the idea of working for myself and working from home, that I could do it. And so to know that I was ready, I wanted to make sure, let's talk logistics first, right? I had to have enough clients to support the pay that I was currently making at my corporate job and then some. My goal was not to leave corporate and then just have a same paycheck just working from home. That to me was going to defeat the purpose and be taking a step back. Also, I needed to be able to cover things like benefits. And I had a great 401k program at my corporate job and I had health insurance and all that kind of stuff. And so I had to factor in all of those things from a logistics standpoint. I'm a very practical person. So all of those things, the romantic idea of being able to work from home and having that dream position never outweighed the logistics for me, I was constantly thinking to myself, how could I make this a full-time thing, be able to support myself and still be able to logistically live as an adult. And when I retire, have some money, right? (laughs) So it was not just, I want to go work from home. I make as much money as I did at my corporate job. At the time I did, it was, all right, let's prepare. So I knew I wanted to do this about six months in. I knew I loved it. I had a great group of clients who I was very proud of. I knew I needed to add more. So when I was ready to leave, I booked up as much work as possible. I took in referrals. I reached out to clients um, myself. I you know, went and applied for virtual assistant gigs on multiple different platforms. Like I booked my business up where I was so busy that it was ridiculous. I still had my corporate job. And when I was fully booked, I said, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing it. And I mentioned it in the last episode. Sarah and I are not what we call woo-woo people, but you'll also will hear us talk about things like karma and putting things out into the atmosphere and knowing that the universe will provide. So that is what I did. I said, I will know when it's time for me to leave literally within two months of me telling, saying to my husband, when it's time, I'll know it's time. The door opened up. There ended up being a change in the management staff at my company. And I was like, this is the moment. This is the time. The old management company that was so supportive of me is leaving. I'm getting the heck out of there. And that's what I did. And I jumped knowing that I had prepared myself as best as possible and that I could continue to get more business. So long story short, make sure logistically you've got yourself taken care of from, can I support myself financially, but also do I have my benefits lined up in a a reasonable place and then jump, do it. And that's how I knew I was just, this is the time. I think that is a really inspiring story. And I think
0: it's so nice to hear the the reverse because you got to be so organized and methodical about yeah. your transition. And for me, it was, I was reeling from losing my job, from getting laid off. And I am an Enneagram three. So if you are familiar with the Enneagram, I define myself by my accomplishments and Mm -hmm. I really define myself by the work that I do and the value that I bring. And getting laid off was a huge, it's a a huge personal hit for anybody. It's not like a contest, (laughs) but especially when that is how you define your value as a human, that was a really big emotional blow. And so you might be thinking. That sounds like a horrible time to try to start a business, (laughs) but honestly, the way I felt is the idea of putting my best foot forward, walking into some fancy, smancy office building and putting my best foot forward in an interview, and then if I even got through the interview part and I got – another job then having to put my best foot forward as I get acclimated, meeting all the new people, getting to know the new role. I worked in leadership and so you also have to be able to put your best foot forward as a, a people manager and a logistics and operations manager. And so like the idea of doing that, I was so emotionally and mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. I felt like I did not have that in me and being able to just try, just what if I just try this for a little while in my pajamas at home, sitting on my couch with my (laughs) laptop, like under a blanket with like a cup of tea or hot chocolate and like, you know, like comfort, comfort, (laughs) comfort, you know, that's what I really felt like I needed. And so in order to be able to do that, I needed to have money to live on. So I did have a partner who was bringing in some money. I mentioned in the previous episode, my partner was actually a full-time grad student, part-time employee at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he was bringing in, you know, raking in the dough or anything. (laughs) Um, And benefits definitely were also something that had to be considered. For me and this definitely also depends on the state that you're in. If you're in the US at all actually. If you're in another country, I like literally do not even know. Probably <laughs> if you're listening to this and you live in another state maybe or another country, maybe you're even lucky enough to just, you know, have healthcare. What a what a world. I mean,
1: could, what a world.
0: <laughs> in the state that I'm in, I was fortunate enough that if you're starting at zero, there are benefits available to you from the state. So I was able to leverage that. And I think that is like one of my big pieces of advice when you're first starting is you don't have to make it harder on yourself. There are programs available out there to support people, especially people who want to start businesses, who, you know, that's no matter what side of the political aisle you are on. People want to invest in Americans who want to start businesses. If you're in the US, if you're in another country, again, can't speak to that. (laughs) That's definitely true as far as like that hardworking, let's start a business vibe is pretty much palatable no matter where you live or what political party is predominant in your area. And so there's stuff out there to support you when it comes to benefits, when it comes to business loans or grants, when it comes to um, business offices that will help you make a business plan or whatever. And I think There's so many resources I didn't know existed when I was first starting, but the resources I did know about, I did use. So if if you have to start from zero or if that makes the most sense for you in your life, then- You don't have to wear it as a badge of honor that you didn't use those resources. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like there's no Mm -hmm. dishonor in using social programs that are out there to invest in people. And so I was able to get benefits and insurance that way. And um, when I was first starting out and I was making $0, right, Like I qualified. (laughs) (laughs) And then I also had to make money quickly. So it wasn't necessarily about creating this massive social media following. I needed to have the perfect website and the perfect messaging and the perfect offer. And I had to have my offer totally figured out. No, not at all. I had to make money. I had mm-hmm. to make dollars. Right. And so yeah. like, how do I get a client who will pay me money to do work for them immediately? That's exactly. what I needed. And so that's really how I ran my business at the beginning. Then it grew and I figured out my messaging and I figured out my core values and my website is still a mess, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. Right. Like those things. And, and I think this kind of leads me into best and worst advice you've gotten as an entrepreneur, but like Those things for me, my partner, Eric really helps me with when I feel paralyzed by a lot of obstacles, like let's make a list and then let's chip away at them. And when we, when I was first starting and I felt like I can't do this, there's so many things that I can't do yet. He, and I made a list and I was like, I I don't have a website. And it's like, okay, well, what would it take to just get something on the internet.com that when people search for you, they can find it. Right. So that at least you have a website. Right. And it doesn't have to be the perfect website. Companies redesign their websites literally all the time. It's totally literally all the time. Exactly. What about naming my business? That was another huge obstacle. Like, what about what do I name it? And it was like, you know what? What if I just go by my name? I'm just going to (laughs) work. As Sarah Heater, and I forget trying to think of a name because I need to make money right away. And so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I can always come up with a business name later. And uh, I already have my name. I'm not yeah. get sick of my name. So I'm just going to do it that way. And yes, it's not SEO friendly. Nobody's searching for Sarah Heater. Like, I get that you just, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to get started. So I think that's like the best advice and the worst advice. The worst advice is people. I always hear like these really huge seven and eight figure entrepreneurs say, the first thing I would do is get an Instagram following. Well, that's nice. I built a multiple <laughs> six figure business with less than a thousand Instagram followers. So you know what, that, yeah. if that's your priority and that's where you're putting your money into, I personally feel like that's where you're going to have trouble seeing success because followers don't pay your bills unless you're getting paid by Instagram, right? So like, honestly, we said before, Amanda actually said the way she defines success is making lots of money. And the reality is the quickest way to make lots of money is to get clients. And yes, Instagram can bring you in clients. But if you need to make money, because and I always say this, and I, it sounds so like, wow, let's go to the gym. But like, <laughs> if if rent is due on the first, you got to make rent. Like, you gotta, you gotta do what gotta you gotta, gotta do. Money. So forget the vanity stuff. Forget the pretty website. Forget the pretty branding. Forget the logo. None of that matters. What matters yeah. is like doing the work.
1: Exactly, and meeting people, meeting as many people as possible, which can seem so hard to do because you're working from home. But there are people on the internet that will sit down with you for 15 minute exploratory calls. And I'm going someplace with this because Sarah and I met through a mutual client. And the first thing that you told me was you Instagram stalked me and there was nothing about virtual assisting on my Instagram. But guess what? I have... Very little about just very, very recently have I started talking a lot about what I do for a living full time now, um, because I'm still in that transition phase of going from working in corporate to now working for myself. And so I've just now recently started even posting about the fact of what I do. And guess what? I have built a business without a big Instagram following that only talks about virtual assisting. I applaud the people that can do that, but it's also not the only way to do that. I also want to circle back and say you are incredible for stepping out and doing what you did with such little financial support at the time that you had. That's where I think is something that you don't get enough credit for because oh, Thanks. When, yeah, when I left my job, I was very fortunate that my husband was working. He's 10 years older than I am and had a really great job. He had actually gone through that the place that I'm at now, because <laughs> he, we are, we are, you know, a little bit different in age. He had already gone through that phase of his thirties of trying to figure out what the hell he wants to do with his life. You know, um, he, his goal, he and I both are very, um, it matters to us what we make. It's our goal. We have a financial goal as a couple that we work towards every year. And so it was very important to him that he found a job that he felt very fulfilled in both financially, but also in the work. He had already done all that, right? So he was very secure in his job. I would have had somebody to pay the bills had I not been able to. The pressure that I put on myself was really the what fueled me was to prove not only could I do this as a job but I could do it as a job and make more money than I was doing at my corporate job right you did not have that and so for you to be able to do that and create the business that you have and because I work in your business I know your success incredible first of all that's awesome Thank um you. yeah totally to your point though about best and worst advice that I've ever been given I think I think to me The best advice I have ever received was, and this is going to sound so cornball, but we're going to lean into it together because I'm going to say it. Okay. Um, The best advice I've ever been given is just to believe in your own abilities and know that you can teach yourself anything you want to learn. So if you want to start a digital marketing business, if you want to do social media management, you can educate yourself. There is nothing that you cannot learn from a Google search. Now, experience is a whole thing altogether, but abilities and things that you can put on your resume as, you know, as talents that you have are only a Google away. And so learning things like video editing to be able to do commercials or taking a copywriting class, it is literally a google search away the best advice i ever received was if you want to up your offer if you want to be able to charge more money offer more offer more you can't just come into your field this is me speaking specifically to what i do as virtual assistant you can't walk into a field and say well all i want to do is manage calendars okay that's great but you're also not going to have the ability to upsell to do anything else to make more money the biggest advice i could give someone is always be learning Always be looking for new talents. Always be looking for something that you can add to your portfolio. What can you do? You know, and when you get ready to leave, whatever your full-time job is, and you want to do something different as your side hustle, leave with a full quiver in your arrows of arrows of things that you can do. That's the worst analogy I've ever given, but you know what I'm trying to say? Have as many talents as you possibly can. It's very important. Okay. My (laughs) husband's a hunter and I guess I'm just leaning into that today, but that is one of my best advice. The worst advice I can ever give someone is to not be adaptable. The worst thing that you can do is go into a situation and think you are the smartest person in the room and that you're not going to have to change your point of view, that you're not going to have to change the way you perceive something. It is a hundred percent Adaptability is the greatest gift that I think anybody can have as a personality trait is just to be able to go into a room and be open to whoever's in the room. Some of my greatest networking has happened because I was willing to be open minded to meet anybody to talk to anybody. And I am a introvert extrovert. So naturally, I don't love to talk to a thousand people, but I also can. And if you push yourself to do that, to be adaptable, to meet new people and experience new things, you will be blown away by the people that will come to your doorstep looking for your services or looking for your friendship or looking for a partnership. I mean I've hopped on calls with people that I'm like this is going to be the dumbest call I'm not going to have get anything out of this and I end up working with them on mutual clients be adaptable.
0: I love that and I love that you said meeting people yeah. and I would add a caveat to that of also you did not do this but For me, instead of meeting new people per se, I mean, I did meet new people, but a lot of what I did was I told everyone I know what I was Mm -hmm. doing. I told everyone what I was doing. Hey, I'm going, I I am going full-time on helping people launch, uh, grow and monetize podcasts. And I just started just telling people and, and everybody either needs what you offer or they know someone who does. So yeah. the more people that you tell, even the person cutting my hair, you know, I would tell them what I was doing, that I'd, I had started this business, this is what I was doing. And I got so many referrals from that in my first year of business. And I still, my business is built almost completely on referrals. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: um, but that's how it started is that I just needed, and I told people I already know because they were already either stakeholders in my success or they already had worked with me in some capacity and knew that I was good for my word, knew that I was trustworthy, knew that I was talented, knew that I was smart, knew that I was reliable, knew that I was honest. Right. And so telling those people who have that impression of me and who I know feel that way, they feel good referring people to me even if they don't know anything about podcasting so yeah that was like that's my little caveat so I want to know Amanda what would you do differently if you could when it comes to your transition from corporate to running your own business this is a great
1: question I think I left my job in the best position that I could. I'm naturally a planner. So I had planned everything out to the nth degree. The biggest thing that I would do differently is remove all expectations of what it's going to be like. I laugh. When I think of all the things I told my husband, Drew, when when I was started working from home or I was trying to transition to work from home, I remember telling him, oh, it would be so wonderful. I could go work from a coffee shop. I could work on the road. All that is very true. And I put so much pressure on myself to not be sitting at home. Like I almost felt guilty that I had gotten this position that I had worked for and dreamt for. I felt guilty about sitting at home in my pajamas all day and making money. I kept telling myself, you got to get up. You need to work out or you need to, you know, put your full face of makeup on and get dressed and get out the door. Right. Mm -hmm. And I did that for about two weeks. When I first started working from home, I beat myself up so badly if I didn't do it. And it was that whole mentality of our culture tells us you got to get up. You got to go to work which is also like my family's motto. Got to get up. You got to go to work. And when you work from home, it's, I stumble out of bed. I'm still in my pajamas. I come sit at my desk. I, which also I will add, um, Sarah knows this. I do not have an office in my home. When we bought our home, we did not know that I was going to go full-time working from home. So I work in, again, I'm very fortunate that it's just me and my husband and he doesn't care, but I work at our dining table. And so I felt guilty being able to do that. And work from home. What I would do differently is remove all expectations and say, it is what it is. I'm going to work hard and I'm just going to figure it out. I absolutely love to work. I love my job. Oh, and to me, I start work at 6 a.m. I am an early riser. So I start fairly early in the morning. My husband leaves early for work. I get up when he does start at 630, you know, 6, 630 in the morning. And then I work until I get tired at night. And so following all these people that work from home on Instagram that are like, oh, you know, I went to the grocery store today and I exercise, I go girl, you do you, but that is just not my journey. So if I could remove all of those expectations and say, my work schedule is my work schedule. Where I sit and work, I'm not going to have this insane, wonderful office. I'm going to sit at my dining room table. And I'm going to build my business. Um, and there is no expectations. I set I set the expectation of what I want. And this is how I wanted it to look. If I could remove those two weeks of stress and anxiety from my life, I would 100% do that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's very similar because even though our work, and again, we'll do a whole episode on this, but even though our Work day looks really different, and our—I don't want to say our work ethic is different. I think our work ethic is actually very similar. I also love working, so but our day looks very different, and and our businesses are very different. So that's not necessarily in common. But I was sitting here thinking uh, before we were recording, and I was looking at kind of what we were going to talk about in this episode, and I thought, what would I do differently? Is it corny to say nothing? And then when I really thought about it what I would do differently is I wish I wasn't in a great place. And I wish I could tell myself like my future self could tell my past self, like this is going to work. I can look back and say, Oh, I wish I would have done more podcast interviews to get myself out there. Oh, I wish I would have done more of this. I wish I would have done that. I wish I wouldn't have joined this. I wish I wouldn't have paid for that. Like I could do that. But the truth is that I did the best I could with what I had at the time. And I really did love every step of the way. So could I have made more money faster if I knew then what I know now? Or could I at least have pocketed more money? Totally, for sure. And also, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. And I am happy with it. And I am so thrilled with how far I've come. And I'm so thrilled with what is coming in the next year, the next three years, the next five years, I have so many ideas, so many plans, so many goals. And like, I'm just excited and happy. So I wish I could just tell the little sad Sarah who felt small and felt nervous and wanted to feel big. Like your Mm -hmm. time is coming. Have you seen that? It's old. That image of like, it's like a kitten looking in a mirror and in the mirror reflection is a
1: lion. I think I have seen this. Okay, visual that that you're giving inspirational
0: posters or whatever, (laughs) but um, but I that's how I kind of have always felt. Is I felt like the kitten, but I I I knew there was an ability for me to be like a lion. Like I knew that was there, and I wish I could go back and tell my little kitten self, like. You're, yeah. Your time is coming. Like it's going to work. Just keep going. It's going to work because I think just that peace of mind would have like helped in the days that were hard.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Let me ask you a question. Okay. And you can tell me, Amanda, this is egotistical or <laughs> know that you are alone in this thought. Okay. My question oh, okay. for you is your entire life. Have you ever felt like you are destined to do something incredible? Absolutely. Okay. See, I have met people before that were like, I never had that like gut feeling. And I think for me it was and I've always I've told my husband this the whole time I've known him, I'm like, I am gonna do something awesome. I don't know what it is, I don't know what it looks like, I don't know where I'll be, but I'm gonna do something incredible and it's gonna be great. And when I'm ready and I have all the tools I need, it'll it'll come to me, you know, it'll do it. And to your point, talking to your younger self, I remember very, very recently, we're going to talk about our old jobs in another, another episode, but I will say I had a job as a personal assistant from the absolute pit of hell. Okay. (laughs) And I remember I had just met drew and uh, I was 27 years old. I was going through a major life change. And I found this job because it was with, it was with a company or I'll say this. (laughs) I don't want to make, I don't want to tell it too much because because then people that know me will know who I'm talking about, but I had this job for a year and I was bringing home $600 every two weeks. Okay. That's how I was supporting myself to the point where I had to have a job before and after. And I was working as this full-time personal assistant. It was the only job that I could find at the time. And if I could tell myself that I make what I make now, then it blows my mind. And listen, we, I have mentioned multiple times the money that I am making. I hate when people do that and they don't tell you what it is. I get it. If you're listening to this and you're like wondering how much that is, I have not hit my goal of six figures yet. Okay. That is one of my goals.
0: You're also less than a year into business.
1: Oh, 100%. 2023 will be my year. I have no doubt in that. But I also want to give, no, I'm ready. I just want to give some context to someone who might be listening to this. And I want them to know when I say making my goal money or doing really well for myself, I'm not six figures. I'm not a millionaire. Sarah and I are still figuring out and working on our businesses. I don't ever want to perpetuate this whole thought process that you're listening to two women who have made it. We're still figuring it out too. We're just really in love with our businesses. And I never want to, to make anyone think that I have somehow hit this like huge milestone of I'm a millionaire. I am very much so in process. Okay. (laughs) So, but in saying that, if I could look back at myself when I was walking someone's dog or, you know, getting berated while I was a personal assistant, making $600 every two weeks. Do you know how much rent is? And at the time I was very much so on my own um, and tell myself, you will get there one day. You will find a way to have a quote unquote job that you love and it it will support you. Wow. The difference it would have made, but also would the journey have been different. And I think that's what I hope people listening to. If you're in that place where you're like, I think I have an idea or you're start, you've already started your business and you're just making, you know, You know, you have one client or you sell one product a month, whatever it is, no matter how small it is, enjoy the time that you're in because one day with plenty of hard work and like putting all of yourself into your business, one day you're going to look back like Sarah and I are, and you're going to be like, I remember when I sold my first batch of cookies. I remember when I signed my first client. How incredible will it be to remember this moment now in the uncertainty and think, Only the best things are coming for me. Like do that for yourself now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I think that this episode has been really interesting and a really, for me, really interesting time to reflect. And I hope that you feel like that too. I think that if you're listening and you're trying to kick off your business, either you have an idea and you want to do it, or you have a business, but you still feel like the kitten then this is the place for you and We have so many ideas and plans coming to build up this community of support. We are not business coaches. We're not trying Mm -hmm. to be business coaches. There are so many business coaches out there. And frankly, we work with several. So if you're looking for a great business coach, we can definitely help. We're not looking to be business coaches. What we're looking to do is to build a community of support where you can feel like you have found your people who have your back. And who understand the reality of being big and brave and starting a business. And so whether you have a business, whether you're further along than either of us, in between us with your experience, whether you are brand new or you just really want to be part of this community, you are welcome here and you have found your people. So Please make sure that you follow us on Instagram. If you use Instagram right now, that is our only platform that we have (laughs) really like built out, but we do have a lot of ideas to do more. But for now, make sure you follow us on Instagram at big brave business, and you can follow each of us individually as well. So I'm on Instagram at Sarah K heater.
1: And I am on Instagram at Amanda Nelson Reads. I love to read.
0: Obviously. Me too. We're book nerds. <laughs> we are definitely
1: book nerds, which will definitely probably be an episode. I yeah. do want to add, if you do have a business, I don't care how small it is. I don't care if you have five Instagram followers. We want to follow and support you. So yes. make sure that you tag your business in our Instagram and let's let's talk. Let's, let me cheer yes. you on. And if this
0: is interesting and helpful to you, or if you know somebody who would benefit from this content or who really needs to meet us. Because if you know, you know. If there's somebody you know who would absolutely love the show and needs to be welcomed in to our community, please share this podcast with them. Uh, you can share on Instagram and you can tag us that you're listening to this episode or just send it to them privately and say, you are going to love these two cheese balls.
1: And a Very accurate
0: description. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a wrap for episode two. And I guess we'll see you in the next one.
1: See you soon.